0: Hi, this is John Hunter-Niemicek from Nimco Motorsports, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the August 27th edition of Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder, the most hardcore morse episode 188 of the series. I'm your in Sinclair and on tonight's for Riley and myself, I'll be recapping the past couple of weeks of racing, previewing upcoming and discussing whatever other pop up in the conversation. Austin himself, driver of the number 22 Chevrolet Silverado, competes in the NASCAR Dander RV and Outdoor Truck Series for North Carolina. The 2020 NJR OTS season marks self speaker on tour.
2: his belt. He carries a long list of racing accomplishments under his belt. He amassed 45 starts in the Arkham Menard series over three seasons, highlighted by one win at Winchester Speedway in 2015, 13 top fives, and 30 top 10 finishes.
1: To further complicate his success, Self won the 2014 ARCA Racing Series Work of the Year honors and finished runner-up in the championship standings a year later. His freshman season in NASCAR featured a top-ten finish at Eldora Speedway on the dirt while crafting a skill that led to a respectable second season.
2: In his second year of competition, Self started the year with a career-best second-place finish at Daytona International, Daytona Florida International Speedway. His continued on-track success included an additional top 10 finish on the stimulating road course of, at, of Canadian Tire Sports Park. In all, the Austin Texas native captured one top 5, two top 8, two top 10s, eight top 15, and 13 top 20 finishes overall, despite missing five races from February to November still placed 15th overall in the championship standings driving for AM Racing, Martins Motorsports, and Nice Motorsports.
1: In 2018, Self ran the full truck series tour for Statesville, North Carolina-based Nice Motorsports, one of the most consistent teams on the tour. Self won top 18 last race, but in a 10, in finishes and 18 top 20 finishes overall in history, 2018 bid in. He also finished a career-high 12th in the championship standings. This past year, Self could have been in a 21st-owned AM racing team. That under the leadership of Crew Chief Eddie Triconis and was highlighted by a fifth-place finish at Michigan International Speedway in August. Additionally, the team garnered three top 10 finishes overall, with Self a career best. He finished the competitive 14th in the championship standings.
2: At the age of four, what started out as a hobby quickly became a personal passion for Self and would later spark his career in motorsports. Today, the Texan has spent thousands of hours behind the wheel, moving up the ranks from karting to the ARCA East Division and Whelen Series, then into the ARCA Menard Series in the top three national divisions of NASCAR. With his
1: focus, determination, and desire to deliver on- successful on-track results, SELF has gained the best support of many Texas-based companies, including the Texas Department of Transportation's Don't Mess with Texas initiative, and which allowed him to continue his foray into the sport for the 2020 season. We're now pleased to welcome myself to the program. Hello, how are you hey, doing? Man, that,
0: great. That was that was awesome, man. If I if I ever need uh or decide to do a documentary, you know, when I maybe decide to get out of a race car, which uh probably won't be for a while, but uh you guys are the ones to call I learned a little bit about myself there and um <laughs> and uh some of the things I've done in the past few years. But hey, it's great great to be on and uh and I uh, have the opportunity to talk to you guys.
1: Well, thank you very much. Hi. And then the first this season has been a little bit different than any other in the past. How do you spend time during the
0: break? Uh, during the, during the break, I mean, we, you know, obviously, uh, you know, a couple of weeks there, we, we were just trying to stay safe. But uh, once things kind of got back going again, it was full speed in the shop. You know, we were trying to get trucks built and ready and, and, um, just been prepared to go back racing, and, and uh, even though things have been uh, a little bit different than they, they have in the past, uh, I'm just glad to get back racing. It's kind of been, um, you know, it's been difficult without without practice and some of the things you really need. You know, I feel like um, with some of the guys we got on board this year, um, I, I feel um, that we've we've had a lot of stuff that's worked really well. Um, we've just needed a little bit of time to, to work on you know, some of uh some other things on the truck to to make a complete package and um I think we keep getting closer and closer um you know to where to where I wanna be. Um, you know, that's that's running in the, the top ten consistently and and um, you know, before too long competing for wins and, and top fives. But, you know, like I said this year, uh it's been a little bit different, a little bit different swing, but, you know, that's why I've been building on our friend for a bunch of different teams, and, and I uh, I feel very confident with the, the guys I got working on, on the trucks now, you know, Eddie Traconis and, and Ryan Engineer. Everybody's working really hard, and and um, you know, with the obstacles that have been in front of us uh, this season, I, I still feel uh, we're on the verge of being where I think we need to be. Um, haven't got the finishes yet this year we, we really want, but um, like I said, I think I think we've just been working. That's what I do. I spend all my time at the shop, and um, maybe if I get the opportunity, I go out on the lake and kayak and and have a beer. But uh, for the most part, it's it's. Uh, I think all my time's really spent at the shop.
1: Recently, the truck competed on the road course at Daytona. I do like the race, and do you think the Daytona Road Course should be added to the schedule permanently? Yeah, you know it
0: was. Um, that's one of the things that that's kind of been interesting this year you know nascar's um you know had had to make make a lot of big decisions and and that was a big decision you know for us um you know we weren't we weren't going to be able to get to Canada uh, this year and and time started running out and, and they put that together pretty quick and and um it was it was really an exciting um, um event really i mean the you know, we always talk about Daytona at the beginning of the season, and and the Truck Series. You know, that's that's our that's our race there. You know, we go there once a year, and and to be able to go uh, back to Daytona and do something completely different um, was really special, and to be a part of that event was really special. Um, you know, for me, um, I, I really enjoy the road courses um you know i think i think we should run 25 races a year in the truck series so that we can fit a few more in there um i kind of like the idea of maybe uh having a rotating race in the series you know that maybe we change every year maybe maybe that's the road course where you know instead of going to Daytona the next year maybe we'll do the charlotte roval or or uh you know go to Watkins glen something like that but um you know i wouldn't i wouldn't be upset if they put it back on the schedule but i'll, I'll uh i sure will miss uh Canadian Tire Motorsports Sport.
1: I know that several of the races since the series came back into action have been run without fans in the grandstands. How do you feel about that?
0: it's, um, it's been different. You know, it's, um, you know, every everything, everyday life is a little bit different now. Um, you know, I, I try to do everything pretty normally, but you know, everything's a little bit different. But. Um, NASCAR is kind of the pinnacle of making that first step to to competing again, and I think they've they've been a good model for uh, other sports to to show them that hey you know look we can do this. Um, it might be a little bit different, um, you know, not having fans there obviously is not ideal. You know that's that's uh, the fans is what you know gets us uh, at the racetrack every weekend. But um, at the end of the day, I think you know me personally. Uh, even outside of the race car, being a fan, watching the cup races on Sunday. Um, I just want to, I want to, I want to see racing and, and for me competing, that's, that's what I want to do too. So even though it's a little bit different, we don't have the fans at the track. Um, you know, the, the pre-race ceremonies are a little bit different without fans cheering. Um, you know, that, that, that little bit of excitement, maybe uh, I wouldn't say nerves, but um, you know that little bit that gets you going isn't quite there, but, uh, once you get in the race car, it's, it's go time, you know, um, I think on a, on a regular race, you know, in the past, uh, once you get in the car, you don't think about the fans. So, um, you know, for us in the race car, it's, uh, um, it's pretty normal while you're driving, you know, before the race is, is a lot different, not signing autographs. And then, um, you know, after the race is a little bit different, but I think, uh, I think for me, I can speak for, you know, competitors and fans. It's, it's just great to to get back competing and get back in a race car, to see race cars on a racetrack, even even if we can't have the fans at the track. I know uh, I know they're enjoying it enjoying it at home.
1: And where do you see yourself in five years?
0: That's a, a new time, man. I guess uh, if you're talking race, and I know my girlfriend would like to, you know, we're getting married in December, so she she keeps begging me for kids, but you know i'm not ready for kids <laughs> so um in terms of racing you know for me personally um i want to see myself you know i haven't completed what i want to do in the truck series yet you know i want to go out there and win races um we've, i've spent the past uh was it 4 I'm working on 5 years you know really building a program um sure i did uh you know season with Nice motorsports um with my trucks and and um, did a little bit with Martins Motorsports, but you know, I I got into the truck series, got into NASCAR, really not knowing what what direction to go. You know, I had a lot of relationships to build,
2: um,
0: and you know, I feel like I'm finally at the point where you know I'm not exactly where I want to be, but I I can see I can see that I'm I'm a whole lot closer where where I want to be. I've built a relation, great relationship with Chevy. Um, I got a lot of really good smart guys. Um, in the shop with me, really dedicated to to go out there and, and perform um, uh, just like me. And, and um, you know, for me, and, until I start getting to the point to where maybe I can win some truck races, you know, I want to make the playoffs. I want to be a competitor, um, you know, for that top spot. And and I know AM Racing, everybody at AM Racing wants the same thing. So um, until until we get to that point, um, that's that's what's on my mind. You know, I I know a lot of guys say they want to be in COP in five years They make these plans. Uh, For me, I want to take care of business now. um, And wherever it takes me in five years, um, that's what it is, you know. And and, um, I just hope I'm I'm staying in the race car and and driving something. Um, I would like to say I I would like to drive uh, the Indy 500. Big fan of Indy cars, so. Um, you know, that's uh, that's maybe some. You know, hopefully, maybe in the next five years I can get get inside of IndyCar. Yeah.
1: Well, let me throw you out to my co my Mike Capello. there's a couple questions for you as well.
2: Okay, so my first one: What has been the most challenging part of the season so far?
0: Well, I'd, I'd have to say. Uh, not racing right from the challenging part, you know, it's, it's, um, it was kind of eye opener as far as, you know, we, we show up at Atlanta and and then we get, get turned away and had to go home and, and didn't really know the next time we were going to race. Honestly, I think personally, that was kind of the hardest thing, you know, I've I've been racing for so long and, and, you know, you're always looking forward to the next week and the next season and, and keep preparing, um. But here was something different thrown at me, and, and it really makes you think. You know, um, kind of humbles you a little bit, right? You know, we get so busy in the things we do in our lives, um, and for me personally, that was that was a moment where you know I had to step back and and realize how you know small, you know everything is, and and, uh, and really made me realize how much I, I love uh, and how humble and and. um proud I am to get to drive these race cars every weekend. Um, on track, I think the hardest moment has is, is probably been Dover last weekend. You know, I was really looking forward to, to getting Dover and, and running good and, and we just missed the setup a little bit um, and, and, and Dover is a place that, that um, it can really eat you up. If you miss it a little bit, it's going to be a long day and it, it sure was a long day for us. And We did everything. Guys worked hard to try to get the truck back in the great direction, but, um, just didn't have enough opportunities. And, and, um, that's probably been the, the toughest race this year.
2: And can you, can you tell us more about your second place finish at Daytona?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's one, you know, it's been a couple of years and, and I look back on it every, every, uh, every once in a while. Um, you know, I, it was such a, it was a very special moment, you know, I'd ran the 2016 schedule and, and, uh, had a few finishes I was, I was happy with. Um, and then at the end of the season, um, I, I didn't know what I was going to be doing. You know, we weren't, we weren't planning on, um, going to Daytona. Um, I was, I was trying to figure out well what, what I was going to be able to do, where I was going to be able to race, trying to work in some races. And about two weeks before Daytona, um, they had a car and, and, uh, fin- finally found, um, you know, a little bit of money to go racing. And, and, um, like I said, it was two weeks and we show up and it didn't start off too good. We got a wreck on, on the first lap. Um, and we just got pushing to it. And, um, it was a really special moment. Um, I can remember, I think I was 12th on the last restart, 12th or 13th, something like that. And, and, you know, those moments, you know, you know, at the end of the race, green, white checkered, um, there's always, you know, nine times out of ten, there's going to be something that happens. You know, the big one might happen. Um, so I committed. I restarted on the outside. Uh, we come to the white flag, and, you know, we're in the top ten at this point. And I can remember just, you know, making the decision like, okay, this is this is going to be a good day. Now I just need to finish this thing. Um there's an opening on the bottom. I turned down, got to the bottom, got clear, um, and just started pushing calves right in front of me. Uh, next thing I remember was coming out of two and, and not seeing anything, man. I I uh, pretty much, I guess you could call it, I just closed my eyes, stayed on the throttle, and held the wheel straight. Uh, I saw guys um, sideways in front of me, uh, you know, the guy right in front of uh, Kaz. I, I can not remember who it was, but I remember seeing them get hit, and I was just waiting for myself. You know, I was waiting, waiting to get hit and come out of the smoke and, and, um, I'd forgotten that, you know, we had made it to the back stretch and what race was called. I was just pumped that we had gotten the second. And I was thinking, you know, you know, whatever, you know, we got another restart, whatever. I was just excited to, to, uh, make it out of the wreck. And um, that's when the spotter told me I finished second and, and, um, got back in the pitch and it was a real special moment for me and Jennifer and, and the family and everybody, uh, to be able to finish second at Daytona was very special and, and um, you know, I think I think now now I look back at it and and um, you know it, it just motivates me. I'm like, I I got to get more. You know, it, now I look back at it and that wasn't enough. You know, we got to go out and perform better and and try to get back up there. So definitely a, a really exciting and uh, eventful race, and and I, I still remember and look back at it every once in a while.
2: Well, my final question for you this evening, what has been the most rewarding part of your racing career?
0: Man, that's that's tough. I mean, um, you know, I look back, second place finish was, was pretty cool. Um, I look at the racing aspect, you know, my the finishes I've had. Um, you know, I don't know if it's just me, but, just haven't been as satisfying as I wanna be. You know, I think my mentality is I just uh I, I gotta get better. You know, I I feel like I just can't settle for where I'm at, you know, I just have to keep getting better, better in the race car. Um I think the most satisfying thing is the people I've met along the along the way. Uh the family I've built, you know, I met Jennifer in twenty sixteen, Jordan Anderson's sister and and um uh we've had an awesome relationship. She goes with me to the track every weekend. she um she works for us and and um you know uh got engaged last december and and um you know me and jordan Anson would be brother in laws before two one so um you know getting to uh find my my wife at the racetrack is pretty special, you know to have somebody that's um into racing just as much as I am and wants to be at the racetrack just as much as me, um, that's probably been the most satisfying thing. And and that's something that, uh, you know, a trophy sits on the shelf, but, um, you know, having a wife with me at the track and building a family and and building relationships with people and friends, I think that's more valuable than than any trophy could ever be. So, um, I'd, I'd have to say that's probably the most satisfying part,
2: um,
0: of my racing career.
1: Going into Gateway this weekend, what's your your goal realistically to track
0: there? You know, Gateway hasn't been a, a place I've honestly enjoyed a whole lot. Uh, the first year I went there, um, it, it, it wasn't going too bad and, and um, ended up being an instant there. Um, then they repaved the track. I didn't race 2017. Um, 18, I vaguely remember. Uh, I think we struggled a little bit there. And then last year, Um, I think we got one little bit of practice and um, didn't have much practice and went straight into the race so for me I feel like it's a trick. I really haven't figured out yet and um, to be honest with you I don't know what to expect. Um, I've just been spending a lot of time on the simulator Um, I think our our truck this year is going to be hopefully uh, the best truck I've ever driven there, and and, um, I really don't know what to expect I'm just going to go out there and drive as hard as I can and and um there's been some tracks uh on the schedule this year and even last year that I didn't expect a whole lot. Um but but we end up going out there and performing really well. So um I think a goal for me and like I said, <laughs> I'm pretty hard on myself, but um a goal every week for me is a top ten. So if we don't get a top ten, uh we're back at the shop and we gotta figure out why. But um maybe that's me being myself, but that's the goal. We gotta go out and get a top ten.
1: Well best of luck out there in Gateway this weekend and hopefully you have a have a, a pretty good finish there and have a end up with the top ten at least for the rest of the season.
0: Appreciate it man, I I really do. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Have a great night.
0: Hey, you guys too. Thank you guys for having me on. I had a good time talking with you guys. So uh hopefully get back on here before two one.
1: Awesome. Good look forward to hearing from you.
0: Thank you. Bye.
1: Once again, that was Austin Wayne's for races in the NASCAR Truck Series for AM Racing.
2: Indian Motorcycle Racing, presented by Progressive Motorcycle Insurance, continued its 2020 American flat track season with back-to-back wins at the Indy Mile Doubleheader. Reigning Grand National Champion, Briar Bowman, swat, swept the weekend to claim a three-point lead over Wrecking Crew teammate, Jared Mead.
1: Bowman's win on Friday night not only marked the first of, his first of the 2020 season, but also marked his first career mile win, earning him a career Grand Slam. The win was also historic for Indian Motorcycle Racing as the FTR 750 Race, race Bike, which is 50th win since entering AFT in 2017.
2: Saturday night saw yet another evening of exciting racing with the Indy Mile 2, though Mees ran up front for most of the race. Many riders exchanged passes behind him. Bauman stayed in contention, remained patient, and made his move with only a few laps remaining. Bauman held on to complete the doubleheader sweep and take a three-point lead over Mies on the season.
1: Through four races, Bauman has two wins and two second-place finishes, and his current points leader with 90 points. Mees in second with seven points has two wins, a second and third place finish. Indian Motorcycle privateer Sammy Halbert is currently in third with 66 points, while Wrecking Crew rider Bronson Bauman is in fourth with 55 points.
2: The 2020 AFT season will continue on September 5th at Springfield Mile doubleheader. For more information on Indian Motorcycle racing, visit indianmotorcycle.com and follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram
1: our next guest this evening is austin barnes currently pursuing a career in the aviation industry as a pilot the Iron jack 25 year old has been racing since the age of four and has accrued hundreds of wins and championships in various forms of motorsports from asphalt oval dirt oval road course and time trial series
2: he is the three-time optimist search for the ultimate streetcar gts class champion and is pursuing a fourth straight title Previously, he won the Lucas Oil Modified Championship in 2012 and 2015 before making the change over to streetcars.
1: Austin has raced in several other racing classes as well, including Daredevil Mini Tours from 1999 to 2003, Asphalt Go-Karts from 2004 to 2006, Daredevil Micro Sprints in 2007, Asphalt Oval Lucas Oil Modifieds from 2008 to 2017, Asphalt Oval SRL Southwest Tour in 2013, Asphalt Oval of Superlate Models from 2009 to 2010, and currently competes in the Opti- in the Ultima Ultimate Streetcar Challenge, which he competed in since 2016, as well as multiple other classes run in short stints or single races. We're now very pleased to welcome Austin Barnes to the show.
3: Hey, Adam, you got me? Yeah, are how you doing tonight? Oh, not too bad. Yourself? Ah, uh, pretty good. Pretty good. First off, you little know more about how the ultimate Ultimate Streetcar Challenge series works. Yeah, so it's um, it's a really individual series for what we kind of do. I mean, there's not really anything else like it because the premise behind it was, you know, it SEMA every year there's all these really cool looking cars. Everything looks great, but how do they really perform? That's where uh, optima and jimmy day from fm3 marketing kind of came together and said let's make people prove it so they took cars right off the SEMA showroom floor brought them out to the track there in vegas and made them prove that they were the fastest car there the weekend and uh it's kind of evolved it's gotten bigger better more cars competing more people competing um but really it's exactly what it sounds like you're taking you know showroom SEMA cars making them as fast as you possibly can uh, and and proving out what they're worth. Um, They have five segments to it. So you have a design and engineering portion where they bring in a panel of three judges throughout the industry. You know, it could be people from paint and body, you know, building motors, building cars, all kinds of stuff. And you have to present them your car. You get four minutes to try and sell your car with how well you built it. Um, That's worth 100 points. You have three driving segments, a road course, an autocross, and a speed stop. Um, Those are all worth 100 points. And then lastly, we have a road rally where they actually, from the track, will pick a point or a venue you have to go to, make it there, make it all the way back, don't get your envelope taken out of a license for getting pulled over, and you get 100 points there. So 500 total points for the weekend is the ultimate goal. And usually if you can get in the 490s, you can probably win the overall for the weekend.
1: I know you've been in a, in a bunch of different sports. sports I believe in a, in a modified race in the past and uh, seen you on TV lots of times. Uh, which one's your favorite and how do you end up in the ultimate street card challenge?
3: Um, so I definitely, I love modified, you know, they were kind of a home for us there for a long time. I think it was just the obnoxious amount of horsepower they had, you know, terrible tires, no real suspension to them, terrible, you know, 78 Camaro brakes or whatever you're running at the time. Um, they're just a driver's car i loved running them um you know i said there's always a challenge the racing was great lucasol modified series which is now the spears srl southwest tour series was a collection of some of the best races on the entire west coast um so i love those um and that's we know where i'd like to maybe go home to again someday but i really love it here in the optimus series
4: you know, the
3: cars the competition everybody's you know so inviting i've made tons of friends in the series. But it's actually kind of interesting. My uh, teammate, I call him Robert Dupree, um, who runs under our Sun Food banner, Uh, he started his first. He ran his first event, I believe, in 2014. And he had two Corvettes that were kind of identical, uh, one Z06, one regular C6 that was an automatic. And he was going to an event in Texas Motor Speedway in 2015, said, hey, you want to come run the second car? Uh, so trailered out there, uh, showed up for the weekend and, uh, had no idea what I was doing. Never ran a street car, never ran. I mean, that was my first time in a real car on a road course, basically. I think I did it once before, like five years ago. Um, but came out had a ton of fun, showed pretty well and went, I kind of like doing this. So, um, he kind of got me into it. Um, I started with, I had at the time, uh, Mitsubishi Evo 10, that I had blown up. So I was going to have to rebuild a motor and what turned into build a new motor. Eventually became came, I'm building a whole car now. And spent every cent I had earned over the past, like two years, uh, built this entire car, ran it for about a year, had measurable su- uh, success with it. And then uh, Robert, we uh, kind of upgraded. He had a, a Dodge Viper ACR. And uh, after I'd blown up my Evo at an event, he said, why don't you finish the season in this car? And it just snowballed from there, and uh, got to run a lot of cool cars now with the series, um, and, and similar events between Corvettes and Vipers. And uh, last weekend uh, was out uh, running at UMI Performances, King of the Mountain, Pennsylvania, running a Lamborghini Giardo. Um, so it's just kind of snowballed into, you know, trying to take over the streetcar world, really. What's your average weekend like? Um, so it's a, it's a really busy weekend. We, so our events are a two day deal. We run them Saturday and Sunday. Um, usually we get there on Friday. We'll get all set up. We'll get through tech and everything. Um, but then Sunday it, it, it hits you like a wall. Um, you know, you're up super early drives me really nice and early. And the day usually starts our first event about nine o'clock uh, and you'll run all the way to, to four o'clock on Saturday. Typically it's laid out where you have the autocross all day long. Um, so you usually make about nine to 12 runs on an autocross course. Um, somewhere in the day, you have to find time to go do that design and engineering challenge. Um, so go present to the judges. Um, and then at Saturday night, we'll go and do that road rally. we will have to make it to a and back. Um, so usually Saturday ends up being, you know, you start your day about six o'clock. You usually finish about seven or eight o'clock. Um, and then, you know, go hang out with everybody cause we're all good friends there. Then Sunday comes around Sunday. We do, um, the road course or time trial. So that'll run again all day. You'll have four sessions throughout the day. Um, And then we'll also do the speed stop challenge, which is kind of like a a mini drag race where you go about a few hundred feet. You make a U-turn usually, a chicane into a stop box. The farther you get in the stop box, uh, the better your time. But if you hit the cones at the end of the stop box, it DQs your time. But we'll end up doing that. We'll have uh, usually two courses, one left course, one right course, and you get eight runs throughout the day on both courses. So, Again, it's another day, you know, 6 o'clock to when the award ceremony is over about, you know, five thirty, six o'clock at night. So a really long, busy weekend, but lots of driving and, and really competitive.
1: Okay. Growing up, who was your motorsports idol?
3: Um, I had a, a few for sure. Um, I would definitely say, though, I pretty much idolized Jimmy Johnson. I had posters and die-cast cars of all this stuff. I mean, I had – all kinds of merchandise of his. And I just, as a kid growing up in San Diego, he's an El Cajon boy, you know, kind of made his his way up through the ranks and then just went on a, a tear of sorts throughout the uh, the NASCAR series. So he was probably my biggest one. Um, of course, you know, I had regular like Ayrton Senna, you know, just the things he was able to do in a car his rain driving. That was kind of always my thing coming from a dirt background. When I'd race go-karts and it rained, it was, you know, Holy crap! You know this is amazing because I can I can slide a cart around, um, and i you know with how he gets to driving rain, and I just love that. Um, and then I also love Alan Quickie. Um you know, just his his whole starting his own, you know, making everything happen, working from the ground up, overcoming adversity, everything. I just you know I like the the approach that he had taken to motorsports of just get it done on your own, you know, and, and try and work your way to the top. So those are kind of three idols for me, I'd say, as I was growing up.
1: As you say, you've been in a lot of different sorts of cars over the past several years. Um, you've, your path is kind of an interesting one to get up to where you're at now. What's your ultimate racing goal?
3: Um, I don't really know if I have an ultimate goal, I'd say. Um, you know, getting getting paid and making a living to race cars would be you know, kind of the dream, I'd say. But really, I just want to drive anything I can. I mean, I don't care if it's a... A dirt street stock somewhere you know all the way to a nascar ride or stadium super truck or whatever it could be i just i just love driving cars trucks anything that has a motor and can go fast i want to do it um so really that's just what i'm always trying to do is trying to find you know what can i do next what 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 can i get into and and who will have you race their cars basically but uh yeah i said we all have the same goal as racers you know we want to have our name up in lights and make money doing what we're doing, but uh, I just do it more so because I I love to do it, not because I, you know, necessarily I got to make a career out of this.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let me go ahead and turn you out to my co-host Michael Malali Capallo in Afreida Washington, who has some questions for you as well. All right.
2: My first question for you: What made you pursue a career as a pilot?
3: Um, <laughs> so that's kind of a long story. So, um. As a kid, I always had a fascination with flying. My dad would take me out, um, you know, to the airports. We'd just sit there and watch, watch planes fly back and forth. And growing up around cars and everything, it's, you know, not hard to go from being the racer driver to going, oh, I want to fly a plane. But um, it was actually, you know, kind of a lot for my dad. I had uh, We had a, a family business, an automotive repair shop. Um, my dad had worked his whole life around cars, you know, started the shop 20 years ago and, and worked it up from the ground and I started working there for a few years and um, liked doing it, but just, you know, always wanted to do something a little more exciting, I guess. And my dad was really kind of the big push of, you know, why not go be a pilot? You know, it's, it's kind of similar to being like a race car driver, um, you know, and it's, it's definitely a more exciting job. And so he was kind of the really big push for me to, to go do it. So pretty much dropped everything I had in San Diego and you know, my girlfriend moved to Texas and went to pilot school there, basically, and uh, working my way up, hopefully, to be flying some bigger jets here in the near future.
2: And how much more complex is it to go from driving a race car to flying a plane?
3: <laughs> um, it's, it's actually a pretty big jump. The, the hardest thing you have to give up is when you're, when you're moving around on the ground in a plane – when you want to turn the plane, you use your feet. You can't steer it with your hands. So that's a, that's a hard habit to break. Um, but, uh, no, it's actually a really good transition because in racing, things are happening so quick. You always have to be in tune with what's going on the vehicle and yourself and, and making right decisions. Um, and so it transfers over um, you really well to being, being a pilot where, again, things are happening really quick. You always have to be on top of the plane, um, controlling all the electronics and the, the, the controls of the plane itself. Um really, though, the, the only thing that's a lot harder is all the, the groundwork side of it. Flying a plane easy. It's not getting yourself in trouble doing it. That's the hard part, and that's where a lot of work comes in. But, uh, but no, if somebody likes driving a race car, I can guarantee you they're going to like flying a plane.
2: <laughs> and my final question for you this evening, what advice would you give to someone looking to get started in motorsports?
3: Um, my biggest advice would be, don't overwhelm yourself. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of people, you know, that I'll just get messages and say, Hey, how'd you get into racing? And luckily my dad had always raced. Um, so he just kind of naturally threw me into it. But, you know, if it's something that you weren't part of in the family of racing or anything like that, um, you know, look up maybe your local autocross or your local track day. I it doesn't matter if you have a Toyota Corolla or, you know, if you've got a Corvette just start, you know, just go out to a small local event, find people that'll help you find people to give advice. And, you know, you just, you're going to, you're going to enjoy it as long as you aren't trying to take it too seriously. And you're just trying to go learn and, and progress as a driver. And
1: what's your next race you're entered in now?
3: Um, so we're actually kind of in a, a lull this season. We just, we're on about uh, a two month trip of racing all over the country here with the Opto Series. And, and the uh, King of the Mountain there in, in Pennsylvania. Um, but right mm-hmm. now, um, we don't really have another event seriously planned out until November, um, which would have been the Optima's uh, Ultimate Streetcar Invitational there in Vegas following SEMA. However, though, fortunately, SEMA has been canceled. So I think they're coming up with some provisions right now of, of what they're going to do for an event. Um, we're not quite sure yet. But whenever they come up with in November, that's going to be our plan. We might pick up some small events here in in between, but that's really our next event for the season.
1: Awesome. Well, good luck with that, and hopefully you have another successful year in the Optima Ultimate Streetcar Challenge and and wherever else it takes you for the rest of your career. We wish you good luck with that as well.
3: All right. Thanks so much for having me on, and uh, thanks for uh, letting me use up your time.
1: Thank you very much. Have a great evening. Have a good one. Once again, that was Austin Barnes, who currently competes at the Optima Ultimate Streetcar Challenge. You've probably heard, him, heard his name on the uh, on things such as Mav TV in the past. Uh, maybe you've even seen him in the, one of his late models or the Modifieds in the past few years. Now you check check him out in the Optima Ultimate Streetcar Challenge. I know they are featured on T V at least once a week, so be sure to check that out. Are you a race car driver, crew chief, pit member, track owner? Maybe you're just a huge fan of the sport. Contact either Michael Malali, Capello or myself to get your spot on the show. After all, use there for 15 minutes of fame, and we'd love to hear from you.
2: Takuma Sato climbed to a higher level of immortality Sunday at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, winning the 104th Indianapolis 500 presented by GameBridge and becoming just the 20th driver to capture the greatest spectacle in racing at least twice. Sato from Japan won the race under caution in the number thirty Panasonic slash people ready Honda fielded by Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing with Center Piget crashed whoa what happened? When Center Pigot oh my lord crashed in turn four on lap one hundred and ninety five. Sato also won the race in two thousand seventeen with Andretti Autosport.
1: We we're happy to report that Pigot didn't have that serious of an, an injury. He, uh, he credited the, the safety, uh, and safety changes they've made in the cars in the past few years, including the, the air screen in, in, uh, in saving his life, because he did really, really hard. It was a scary hit. Scott Simpson finished second to the top nine. PNC Bank tripped racing Honda, despite leading in a race-high laps. It was his third-career Indy 500 run-up finish, a five-time NTT IndyCar Series champion and the 2008 Indianapolis 500 winner. Graham Rahal helped rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing to take two of the top three spots by finishing third in the number 15 United Randall's Honda. Santino Ferrucci led a Honda sweep with the top four finishing positions by placing fourth in the number 18 Sealmaster Honda.
2: Two-time and reigning series champion Joseph Newgarden rounded out the top five and was the top Chevrolet-powered finisher in the number one Shell V-Power Nitro Team Penske Chevrolet. Pato Ward was the top-placed rookie, finishing sixth in the number five Aero McLaren SP Chevrolet.
1: Sato and Dixon were locked in a stirring duel when Pickett crashed hard and turned four at the end of lap 195 as leaders had started in lap 196. Spinning and making contact with the suffer barrier on the outside and slamming into the protective tire barrier at the head of pit wall with the side of the number 45 High V Embraced Pittsburgh Honda. Pickett was awake and alert and transported to Methodist Hospital in Indianapolis for further evaluation.
2: The gap between Sato and Dixon rarely exceeded one second and was as close as three tenths of a second after Sato inherited the lead lap on lap 185 when Zach Veach pitted in the number 26 Gamebridge Honda on a different fuel sequence than the top cars. Sato appeared to be Home free on lap 191, building a lead of .9515 of a second, but he was approaching the almost last cars of AJ Foyt Racing teammates Tony Kanaan and Charlie Kimball, which let Dixon close the gap.
1: On lap 195, Sato cleared the 2013 Indy 500 winner Kanaan, while Dixon and Ray Hall remained behind them, then expanded... That expanded Sato's gap to 1.173 seconds, but Dixon and Rahal lapped it on just before turn one and lapped on turn 96, moments before a race ending crash. Huge congrats, huge congrats to Sato, Dixon said. He drove his pants off today. Luckily, it wasn't literally. <laughs>
2: Nearly all of the lead cars made their final pit stops between laps 167 and 170, narrowly close to the maximum laps possible with one tank of fuel under green flag conditions. Sato made his final stop on lap 168 with Dixon pitting for the final time on lap 169. Sato then was able to hold off Dixon in a vigorous race for the virtual lead on the track as the drivers ahead of them didn't have enough fuel to finish the race without stopping.
1: The fuel strategy was a bit tight, Sato said. I saw Scott was coming right through out of turn four, and he was screaming coming at me, and I just held him off. Still, Dixon thought that Sato maybe made his final stop soon and be forced a bit late in the race for his flash of fuel, especially because Dixon was able to save fuel by driving in Sato's slipstream. But that scenario never unfolded due to Pickett's late accident.
2: This is a hard one to swallow, Dixon said. On fuel mileage, I really can't see how they were going to make it. Pitted... A lap later, and the numbers they had to get it, and the numbers they had to get it, it was going to be very difficult. It was small consolation for Dixon, but he jumped from ninth to third on the all-time Indianapolis 500 lap leaders list with 563 career, career laps led by only Al Unser, 644, and Ralph De, De Palma, 612.
1: Sato continued an impressive run of recent successes in the Ray of spectral and racing, with three top three finishes in the last four years. Besides his wins today and in 2017, he finished third last year. Two of the three pole sitters, front row sitters, ended up in the top three at the finish, as Sato started third and Dixon second. Pole sir, Marco draghi finished 13th and numbered 98, U.S. Concrete Curb Honda.
2: The 105th Indianapolis 500 is scheduled for May 30th, 2021. The next NTT IndyCar Series event is a doubleheader August 29th through the 30th, the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway in Madison, Illinois.
1: Quick Picket was in Illegal Zone on Saturday during the Trans Am Series presented by Pirelli West Coast Championship Race at Sonoma Raceway.
2: With the race pace that saw him nearly lap the entire field in his signature white and metallic blue number six Pickett Racing Ford Mustang, Pickett claimed the. Ch- Sorry, I got lost. <laughs> the checkered flag, one hour. No. What the heck? Hold on. I'm, like, really lost now. Wow. Ahead of second-place overall finisher Simon Gregg, the dominant victory marked PK's fifth Trans Am win at Sonoma since 1978.
4: Sorry about your race car, you sure looks bent, will you be here next week, and are we still friends, I really didn't mean it, it was a racing deal, I got a little too close, it got a little too real. Then you checked up, in the corner, and I tapped you in the rear. You were spinning somewhere, and it's all so clear. There's a devil, devil in, in your, your helmet. helmet, who's on tonight. Devil in your helmet, devil in your helmet. Devil in your helmet. giving bad advice. Devil in your helmet. It's been a good day so far, I put her in the show. Sitting nice and pretty outside, front row. Two lives later, is on a rail going for the lead with the devil on my tail Then wham bam thank you ma'am where they all go the lake breaks burn turn there's the wall no please not the radiator please not the clip you may be the savior but here's a little tip well there's a devil in your helmet
2: Shay Holbrook from Larson Motorsports, Jet Dragster Driver in the IHRA Nitro Jam Drag Racing Series. And you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on Speedway Digest Radio Network.
1: While the California native was proud of his undefeated season so far, he became overwhelmed with emotion when talking about the tremendous impact being felt by as many wildfires as they rage in several regions of California including Sonoma County. I'm just out here getting to play with my race cars, and really thanks Noma and Trans Am for that. And it. So people on the front line saving people's lives, saving their homes, saving their property. Now hats off to you. hope uh, for all your sacrifices.
2: The only car left on the field that wasn't passed by PK was Greg's number 59, Greg Motorsports Mercedes AMG GT3. Although PK looked to be on pace to overtake Greg all the way to the close of the race, close of the race, managing a returning rotor failure in the final. Legs in the final legs of the All Green race, the same one that also popped up in his practice and qualifying sessions on Saturday, PK started to close RPMs and speed, finishing second overall but first in class. Greg put his new Mercedes AMG GT3 back in the winner's circle for the XGT class.
1: The crew did an amazing job, and the Mercedes handled great," said Greg, who recently moved to Mercedes GT platform for Trans Am competition. I couldn't quite keep up with Greg but I did enjoy my time out on racetrack. The XGT class is new to Trans Am, I think anyone with this type of car should give a serious look into running with us, just because they won't find a better place.
2: Racing from pole position, TA2 powered by AEM rookie Matthew Butson, number 19 Butson racing Chevrolet Camaro, mastered the Sonoma circuit early, checking out for the other drivers to take his maiden victory by more than 30 seconds ahead of second place finisher Nick Rothman's Butson Racing gave me a great car, said Butson. We had a fast car, and everything went our way today. We couldn't be happier with our fam win.
1: Starting six, Rossino in the number 33, Virtec Waste Industries, Anzo Chevrolet Camaro. We've just waited for traffic to in the 2nd. Driven at Butson, Rossino's pace started to fade as he pended off in advancing Anthony Honeywell in the number 76, Honeywell Competition, TFB, Chevrolet Camaro. Honeywell qualified 3rd, but flat two tires along the way. His team elected to change up to a fresh set of early stickers for the race, although that meant he had to give a qualifying spot to do so.
2: Starting from the back on the TA2 field, Honeywell made contact with another driver midway through the race, spinning to the back to where he started the race. Honeywell went back to work, racing back into podium contention to score third at the finish. However, he was issued a 40-second penalty post-race for the early race contact, which Trans Am officials deemed avoidable. The last podium position was claimed by TA2 season debutant Rudy Revick, number 63 Nelson Motorsports Ford Mustang.
1: Consider Carl Ridquist in the number four MyRaceShop.com slash Joe factory five GTM, also remains unbeaten following his win over Natalie Becker in the number four N29 Technology LLC Audi R8 GT3 in the SGT class. John Bogatic. Played a risky strategy, not qualifying on Saturday. In efforts to save on tires, the 100-mile race. His gamble paid off. He wheeled the number no. 65 Westover Corporation Chevrolet Camaro to another GT class win.
2: Bo Border started on pole in the number seven Apex Race Parts Ford Mustang and diced hard with Bogatech until the mid mark of the race. Border suddenly slowed on course and had to nurse an overheated Mustang back to pits, ending his day prematurely.
1: Michelle Abbott in the number 30, Gurr, Scoti Pride, Scumble Chevrolet Camaro, earned a cool shirt move in the race for her continued improvement over her rookie season. Abbott finished fifth in the TA2 class at Sonoma and fourth in the season over at Thunderhill.
2: International Race Day will stage round three for the Trans Am Series presented by Pirelli West Coast Championship. Joining the speed tour over Labor Day weekend, September 5th through the 7th. For more information, visit GoTransAm.com.
1: Capturing another Daytona National Speedway winner's trophy next weekend's Coke Zero Sugar 400 on July 9th will capture to five hours of the iconic 2 venue.
2: The Coke Zero Sugar 400 will serve as the final race of NASCAR's regular season and the last chance event to make the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. This marks the first time in history that the Coke Zero Sugar 400, has served as the cutoff race for the playoffs. Since 1959, the race had been run on July 4th weekend. For every driver who enters the race outside of the top 16, winning will be pretty much their only option in order to make the championship battle. It's must-win time.
1: Amazingly, five drivers who are currently two races at over this weekend before heading to Daytona on the outside of the playoff picture looking in have hosted Daytona trophies in NASCAR's Premier Series, and let's read like a who's who of the sport. In order to guarantee a spot in the playoffs, they will need another piece of historic World Center of Racing Hardware. They include Jimmy Johnson, driver of the number 48, Hendrick Morris for Chevrolet, the seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, is currently 17th in the NASCAR Cup Series champion, Champions of Standing, Winner Q Daytona 500s in 2006-2013, and Morton Coke Zero Sugar 400 in 2013. He is the last driver to sweep both Daytona Cup races in the season. Eric Jones, driver of the number 20, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, currently 17th in NASCAR Cup Series standings, winner of the 2018 Coke Zero Sugar 400. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., driver of the number 47, JTD Geordie Racing Chevrolet, currently 24th in NASCAR Cup Series standings and pole sitter for this year's Daytona 500, winner of the 2017 Coke Zero Sugar 400. Ryan Newman, the number 6 Chevrolet. Number six, Ford Fenway Racing driver, currently 25th in the NASCAR Cup Series standings and the the 2008 NASCAR Daytona 500 champion. And finally, Matt Kenseth, driver of the number 42, Chip Ganassi Racing Chevrolet, currently 28th in NASCAR Cup Series standings, a two-time Daytona 500 champion in 2009 and 2012.
2: Just because, however, the group of five have tasted victory at Historic Daytona does not give them a distinct advantage. Throughout its history, the Coke Zero Sugar 400 has produced a host of first-time winners dating back to just a year ago when Justin Haley stunned the motorsports world winning after the event was cut short due to inclement weather. Joining Haley are a host of well-known and some Hall of Famers to get their initial NASCAR Cup Series win on Daytona's high bank. Eric Jones in 2018, Eric Almirola in 2014, David Reagan in 2011, John Andretti in 1997, Jimmy Spencer in 1994, Greg Sachs in 1985, Sam McQuag in 1966,
1: and A.J. Foyt in 1964. That gives hopes others below the NASCAR playoffs cut line, including Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, Ty Dillon, Chris Buescher, and Bubba Wallace, who finished second in 2018. The field is wide open. Take your pick.
2: The full weekend schedule 2.5 mile tri-oval includes Friday, August 28th, the Wawa 250 NASCAR Xfinity Series at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN, Series XM, and MRN. 250 miles, 100 laps, no fans. And Saturday, August 29th, the Coke Zero Sugar 400 NASCAR Cup Series at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC, Series XM, and MRN, a 400-mile, 160-lap race.
1: A limited number of fans will get the opportunity to see the Coke Zero, 400 sh- Coke Zero Sugar 400. Fans can get tickets which start at $49 for both races for adults and $10 for kids 12 years and, old, 12 years and younger by visiting DaytonaNationalSpeedway.com or calling 100 pitch shop. The weekend kicks off on Friday, August 28th, with the stars of the NASCAR x Series and the Wawa 250, powered by Coca-Cola. Fans can stay connected with the International Speedway on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube, and by downloading the International Speedway mobile app for the latest Speedway news throughout the season.
2: The California-based manufacturer and distributor of high-performance automotive oils and additives completed a record-breaking run at Bonneville Speed Week at the Bonneville Salt Flats in Thule County in northwestern Utah by successfully surpassing the AA-BFS Blown Fuel Stream Liner two-way average and one-way last-mile record oil, which served as the official lubricant of the Speed Demon, was instrumental in preparing the vehicle to reach speeds of 481.56 miles per hour down the last mile of the course in a two-way average of 470.015 miles per hour, thanks to the performance of the Plus Racing Oil, Heavy Duty Oil Stabilizer, L9 Racing Gear Oil, Synthetic SAE 140 Racing Gear Oil, Flick Mist Detailing Kit, and the Contact Cleaner.
1: We are thrilled to be part of this great success story and the exclusive engine oil and additive supplier for the Speed Demon, said Tom Bogner, Director of Power Sports for Lucas Oil. Bonneville Speedway Speed is a challenging event for both man and machine. Many of the world's fastest vehicles come to run at unbelievable speeds and do so in the harsh conditions of the salt flats. I'm so impressed with the Speed Demon and proud to have Lucas Oil associated with the fastest streamliner at Bonneville.
2: The veteran Speed Demon pilot, George Poteet, started the Bonneville Speed Week in good spirits after completing a 5-mile speed of 469.298 miles per hour on Wednesday. The Speed Demon's then fastest time recorded on the Bonneville Salt Flats. This sets the stage for Poteet's record 470.015 mile per hour run Thursday morning.
1: In the pits, the Speed Demon crew treated the streamliners. 3,156 horsepower, 556 cubic inch, tuned turbo big block engine with Lucas's Plus Racing Oil to minimize fuel dilution, resist oxidation, and prevent fuel thinning out at high crankcase temperatures. Lucas's heavy-duty oil, heavy oil stabilizer was also used to, the, to provide the Speed Demon motor a high degree of lubricity and reduce operating temperatures along with fuel consumption.
2: The Speed Demon transmission and rear differential utilized Lucas L9 racing gear oil mixed with the synthetic SAE gear oil for reduced friction and parasitic drag to give the record-breaking streamlighter noticeable gains in power while operating in extremely salty conditions.
1: Lucas Oil's contact cleaner was used to keep the engine area clean of salt and oil, thus limiting any risk of engine fire. Lucas's slick mist detailing kit added the final touches to the Speed Demon giving it showroom-ready shine before heading out to break the AA BFS one-way and two-way records in style.
2: The performance by Bo Keep at this year's vulnerable Speed Week resulted in the Speed Demon team collecting the AA BFS record for 501 cubic inches or larger forced induction engines in streamliners, a record that was previously set 16 years ago by Tom Berklin when he reached a speed of 417.020 miles per hour. With oil products are now available at AutoZone, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Napa Auto Parts, CarQuest, Advanced Auto Parts, and more.
1: Be sure to check, check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network when they return and as well as past episodes at blogtalkradio.com slash speedwaydigestradio. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read the articles covering all our from our sports at speedwaydigest.com. I haven't had quite as much time to work on that in the past few days, uh, but they have been posting a bunch of stuff on there. I did post some some recent information on the Speedway News section, as well as a little bit of race recaps, the Racing News section from this past weekend. I've got some more to, to post in the next few days. Be sure to check that out. In addition, if you're a fan of South Florida and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our slice of paradise at my site, Football Plum's Fantastic Finds. It can be found on Facebook. Twitter. The easiest way to find the articles posted on Twitter is by going to at Happening and by heading to footballplumsfantasticfinds.wordpress.com.
2: Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again next week in the Thunderdome as we discuss the major issues in the world of modern auto racing.
1: Have a great night, and we'll see you next week.